you have a copy of the scriptures, whether that's electronic or printed, to turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, we're going to begin reading at verse 10 through verse 16. Now I know we just stood and sat down, but in some countries, I know where Dr. Murray has ministered, when I've ministered, people will stand as we read the word of God. So I'm going to ask if you will stand while we read God's word. Philippians 3, beginning at verse 10. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then, who are mature, should take such a view of these things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. May God add his blessing, not just to the reading, but our hearing of his word. Let's, uh, you may be seated. Dr. Murray, uh, Dr. George Murray is the, was the president of Columbia International University, CIU, from 2000 to 2007. In 2007, he became CIU's chancellor. He travels the world preaching and teaching, recruiting students, and working with uh, major donors and alumni. He came to CIU from the Evangelical Alliance Mission team, where he served as executive director. For 10 years, he was General Director of Bible Christian Union, BCU, a mission agency which merged with TEAM in 1994. Prior to that, he and his wife Annette were church planners in Italy, where they served for not long enough, only 13 years. I know that's what his wife thinks. How long were you there? Not long enough. (laughs) He's a graduate of CIU, Trinity International University, and served on the board of CIU Um, from 85 to 99. He is also the Stephen Olford Professor of Biblical Preaching at CIU, teaches courses on biblical preaching, leadership missions, traveled extensively to uh, across the US as well as 66 countries internationally. His wife Annette is also a graduate of CIU and is a licensed professional counselor. They have four married children, five grandchildren, two step-grandchildren. And it's a pleasure to welcome uh, Dr. George Murray to uh, the pulpit of Mount Calvary Church 
And let's have ears to hear what God is going to say to us this morning. Thank you. Well, uh, thank you for that kind introduction, and it's great to be back. Some of you may not recognize me, but I have been here before. I was here a number of years ago for your missions conference. Actually, the first time I was at Mount Calvary Church in Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania was 1973. That's 42 years ago. Some of you weren't even born yet. And I was here with my father and mother, Jack and Eleanor Murray. My dad was an evangelist. And we came to Mount Calvary Church for a whole week. And we had meetings every night. We used to do that back then. And everybody came out and we preached the gospel. I was the song leader and my dad was the speaker. And that was my first acquaintance with Mount Calvary Church. Thank you for being a lighthouse for the Lord here in this community. Thank you for all the missionaries that you support. Thank you for reaching out locally with the gospel. We heard Pastor talk about that this morning. That is just wonderful. And it is a great joy to be back with you uh, this morning. I saw uh, the pictures scrolling in the, in the lobby of the missionaries that you support, and especially Eric and Kelly in Taiwan. I uh, watch them. All. I've known Eric since he was born, and uh, I've watched them grow. I saw them meet and fall in love at CIU, where I'm serving, Columbia International University, and I know uh, Eric's folks very well. Met Kelly's dad again this morning, and it's just great to, to see you supporting people like that. And Bill Standridge, you support Bill Standridge, who is a giant in the faith in the needy country of Italy. So. Thank you for all the people that you, that you support. Um, our topic this morning uh, from God's word is spiritual growth, spiritual growth. And uh, you'll notice on this uh, title slide that um, CIU's logo is there. If you're interested in finding out more about one of the best Christian universities in the country, and I really mean that, it's not because I work for them, it just really is a great school conservative, biblical, training young men and women to serve the Lord in the marketplace, in the ministry, on the mission field. There's lots of information out in the lobby. There's a table there with a big sign that says Columbia International University. You just pick up any of that literature you want. If you want to ask me questions afterwards, I'll be glad to answer any questions you have. Spiritual growth, that's what we want to talk about this morning. So let me talk, uh, start with a question. Are you growing spiritually? Are you? We're commanded in God's word to grow spiritually. Are you growing spiritually? And what I want to do this morning as we think about this important topic is I want to talk to you, first of all, about three people. Then I want to talk to you about two problems. And then I want to talk to you about one principle, three people, two problems, one principle. So first of all, let me introduce the three people. The three people are, the first one is a man named Joseph. He's not an American. He actually was born in the Middle East and grew up in North Africa. The second person is a man named Gerald Sitzer, 
who is a college professor of theology at a school in Spokane, Washington. And the third person is a woman named Amelia, who with her family was an immigrant from Puerto Rico who moved to New York City. Today she is a wife and mother, and like I said, grew up in New York City. So those are the three people, Joseph, Gerald Sitzer, and Amelia. Now the two problems, the two problems. The first one we're gonna call, the first problem we're gonna call the prison of regret. And I wanna ask everybody here this morning to say that with me, the prison of regret. Here we go, together. The prison of regret. That's the first problem we're gonna talk about this morning. And the second problem is the poison of bitterness. The poison of bitterness. Everybody say that. The poison of bitterness. So two problems, the prison of regret and the poison of bitterness. So three people, two problems, and then one principle. And this is a principle of spiritual growth. That's what we're talking about this morning. And the principle is forgetting the past. And I want everybody to say that out loud. Here we go. Forgetting the past. All right, so let's just review. Three people, Joseph, Gerald, and Amelia. Two problems, the prison of regret and the poison of bitterness, and one principle, forgetting the past. Now, if you meet somebody that you know normally comes here and they didn't get here this morning for whatever reason, they say, what did, the, what did Dr. Murray speak about this morning? You say, oh, he spoke about three people and two problems and one principle, all right? So let's talk about the first person whose name is Joseph. I've actually spent a lot of time with Joseph uh, this year, and I actually spend a lot of time with him every year. And the reason I say that is because for the last 50 years now, I'm 70, but for the last 50 years, I have read the entire Bible through from Genesis to Revelation, word for word, every year, at least once for the last 50 years. Sometimes I do it twice. Uh, this year I finished my through the Bible reading in June, so I had a tailwind, I got way ahead. And, uh, if you read the Bible out loud at the speed at which I am talking right now, you can read the entire Bible in 72 hours. And if you divide that by 365, that's less than 14 minutes a day. Don't tell me you can't read the whole Bible, come on. And the reason why I have spent a lot of time with Joseph is because I always start with the book of Genesis. And the book of Genesis tells us about a man named Joseph. Now, we don't know his last name, but I think it was probably Jacobson because he was the 11th son of a man named Jacob. Did you realize that 12 entire chapters in the book of Genesis, plus some other verses in Scripture, are all about Joseph? In fact, 24% of the entire book of Genesis is just about Joseph. And we all know the main details of his life. Let me just remind you, his father favored him. His brothers hated him, wanted to kill him. They finally ended up selling him into slavery in Egypt. He uh, did a great job for Potiphar, the man who bought him. But Potiphar's adulterous wife falsely accuses Joseph of trying to rape her. And he's thrown into jail where he correctly interprets the dreams of two of his fellow prisoners, predicting that the one would die, which he did, and the other would be released, which he was. The butler who was released 
promises Joseph he'll tell Pharaoh about Joseph's unjust incarceration, but he forgets, and Joseph rots in jail for another two years. Then Pharaoh has his dreams, Pharaoh, head of, head of Egypt. The wise men are stumped, and the butler remembers Joseph, and so he tells Pharaoh, and Pharaoh calls Joseph in, and Joseph interprets the dreams about the seven years of plenty followed by the seven years of famine and tells Pharaoh how to manage the good years in order to be ready for the bad years. And so Pharaoh elevates Joseph to the second highest office in the land. Now, all of what I just told you took 13 years, from the age of 17 to the age of 30, what some people would call the flower of a person's life best years of his life. So, Pharaoh, uh, so Joseph gets elevated by Pharaoh, and uh, as part of the deal, he's given a wife in an arranged marriage, which was totally acceptable culturally there in Egypt. And, and his, she's the daughter, his wife is the daughter of one of the priests of Egypt. So let's pick the story up in Genesis 41, if you have your Bible, Genesis 41, verses 50 to 52. Genesis 41, 50 to 52. And you'll see the words on the screen as well. All right, verse 50. Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Azanath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. Now look at verse 51. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. Now look at verse 52. The second son he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. So in these three verses that we just read uh, from God's word, there are four key words. The first two key words are the names that Joseph gives to his sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And the other two key words are easy to remember because each one of them begins with the letter F. The first word is the word forget, and that goes with Manasseh. And the second word is the word fruitful, and that goes with Ephraim. Now watch, in studying the Bible, we always need to remember that Bible names have special significance. Bible names have special significance, especially when the Bible itself calls attention to the significance of a name. You remember what the angel said to Joseph, the husband of Mary, as they were expecting their child. He said, you shall call his name Jesus for or because he will save his people from their sins. The word Jesus means savior. So Bible names have special significance. So Joseph names his first son Manasseh. All right, let's put that on the screen. And Manasseh means God has made me forget. Verse 51 of Genesis 41. Then Joseph names his second son Ephraim, and Ephraim means God has made me fruitful. So first son, Manasseh, forgetting. Second son, Ephraim, fruitful. Now watch. 
When it comes to spiritual growth, and that's what we're talking about this morning, write it down. Forgetfulness always comes before fruitfulness. Forgetfulness always comes before fruitfulness. Now, this is not just the teaching of the Old Testament. This is also the teaching of the New Testament. And we heard it already in the scripture that was read to us just a minute ago from Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 to 16. And I want to show you just a couple of the verses that we heard a minute ago. Look at verses 13 and 14. Brothers, sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. What the apostle, the missionary apostle Paul, who wrote these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, what he's saying here is, I haven't arrived yet. You know, I'm, I, I don't have it all together yet. But one thing I do, he says, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal. Look at what he says. In order to progress, in order to grow spiritually, this is what I'm going to do. And I've highlighted it on the screen. He says, I'm going to forget, forgetting what is behind. I've underlined that in my Bible. This is such an important principle of spiritual growth. So I want us to think this morning about this phrase, and we'll put it on the screen, forgetting what is behind. Now, why is it important to forget what is behind? Here it is. Some followers of Christ here this morning, and nobody's talked to me about you, by the way, but some, some followers of Christ, even here this morning, are stunted in their spiritual growth because they are stuck in their past. Yes, you are. And nobody knows it better than you. So one key principle of spiritual growth is forgetting the past. Now, at this point, I'm going to do a little parenthesis in my message, and I want to recommend three books to you, three books that all of you should kind of get and try to read. These are really good books. All right, the first book is Fresh Faith by Pastor Jim Cimbala. All right, three books. We can put these up on the screen. Fresh Faith by Jim Cimbala. You remember who Jim Cimbala is? He's the pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York City and has the famous you know, choir, the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. I just love their music. All right, this is, this is who this is. and he, This is actually one of three books that all have the word fresh in the title, but Fresh Faith, or a great book. Second is a book called A Grace Disguised by Gerald Sitzer. Now, we're going to talk about him in a minute because he's one of the three people in our message this morning. But uh, Gerald Sitzer wrote, writes this book called A Grace Disguise. And let me tell you what that book's about. In this book, Gerald Sitzer tells the story of his traumatic, life-altering experience when, in a split second of time, on a lonely country road in the state of Washington late at night, a drunk driver crosses the median strip hits Sitzer and his family head-on in their van, killing his wife, his mother, and his daughter, all who died in his arms as he watched helpless before the emergency vehicles and crews could get there. So that's what A Grace Disguise is about. We'll come back and talk about that in a minute. 
And then the third book is also by Gerald Sitzer, and it's entitled The Will of God as a Way of Life. Uh, and in that book, The Will of God as a Way of Life, uh, Gerald Sitzer points out that many people are not growing spiritually and enjoying a fruitful Christian life because they are haunted and paralyzed by two things in their past. The first thing is past failures. Past failures, things which we have done. If we could rewrite our life story, we would not do that again. Past sins, past failures. And the second thing that people are haunted by are past hurts. Now, past failures are things that you and I do. Past hurts are things which other people do to us. Now, watch. Because we live in a fallen world, all of us here this morning, including your speaker, have lives that are filled with past failures and past No one is exempt. And Gerald Sitzer points out in this book, The Will of God is a Way of Life, which, by the way, I've given to tons of college students. It's one of the greatest books I've ever given to college kids. He says that people are haunted and bound by the past. People who can't or won't forget past failures, um, past failures, are living in the prison of regret. People who are haunted by past failures, you know, things that we've done and we wish we could go back and change it, but we can't because it's, it, you know, it's in the past. They're haunted and they're living in the prison of regret. And people who live in the prison of regret are filled with if-only language. You know what I'm talking about? If only I had told the whole truth right from the start. If only I'd listened to my parents' advice. If only I'd studied harder in high school. If only I hadn't drunk so much at that party. If only I'd stayed sexually pure as a teenager. If only I hadn't tried drugs. If only I'd prayed about a life partner before rushing into marriage. If only I hadn't made that foolish and cutting comment. If only I'd spent more time with my kids and less time at work. I, you know, I just kind of made up that list, but you can add to it, can't you? Yeah, yeah. If only language. And then there are past hurts. Past hurts. And people who are bound and obsessed by past hurts, you know, things that other people have done to us, are living, Gerald Sitzer says, in the poison of bitterness. The poison of bitterness. Regret usually involves choices that we have made. Bitterness usually is the result of choices that other people have made which have affected us. Bitterness arises when we become acutely aware that we have been wronged. Now, let me tell you a little bit more about Gerald Sitzer. All right, let's get his name up on the screen. 
Uh, he tells about the horrible accident that took three of his most precious possessions in an instant of time, his wife, his mother, his daughter. He tells how he struggled to cope with that terrible loss. He continues to teach, he's a college professor, while caring for his other two small children who both lived through the accident, though seriously wounded. With the Lord's help, he was able to get a hold of himself and the sting of the tragedy started to lessen. Then the trial for the drunk driver came up. Sitzer's lawyers, thinking they had an open and closed case, did not do due diligence. They did not do their homework sufficiently. And the defense lawyers got their client completely exonerated since there were no other eyewitnesses to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he was actually the one driving drunk that night. And he walked free. Sitzer was astonished and enraged. And I want you to hear what he says. During the months that followed the trial, I thought often about the driver of the other car. I fantasized reading reports in the newspaper that he had died hideously or that he had committed a crime that put him behind bars for life. I wanted to see him suffer and pay for the wrong I believed he had done. I even dreamed of being in another accident with him. His car collided with mine. It was clearly his fault, as I believed it was the first time. But on this occasion, a crowd of hundreds witnessed the accident, and all of them volunteered to testify against him. It eventually occurred to me that this preoccupation was poisoning me. It signaled that I wanted more than justice. I wanted revenge. I was beginning to harbor hatred in my heart. I was edging toward becoming an unforgiving person and using what appeared to be the failure of the judicial system to justify my unforgiveness. I wanted to punish the wrongdoer and get even. The very thought of forgiveness seemed abhorrent to me. I realized at that moment that I had to forgive. If not, I would be consumed by my own unforgiveness. The real problem, however, is not revenge, but the unforgiving heart behind revenge. Unforgiveness is like fire that smolders in the belly. That smoke that smothers the soul. It's destructive because it is insidious. Occasionally it flares up in the form of bitter denunciation and explosions of rage, but most of the time it's content to stay low to the ground where it goes unnoticed, quietly doing its deadly. So let's put the two problems up on the screen again this morning. The prison of regret. In order to go forward, in order to grow, we need to forget past failures. And the poison of bitterness. In order to move forward, in order to grow in the Lord, we need to forget past hurts. And you're sitting here this morning saying, all right, that's great, but how do you do that? All right, so here's the question. Is there a solution to the prison of regret? And the answer is yes. And here's the solution. You might want to write this down. The solution is to receive by faith the full forgiveness of God 
purchased by the finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. To receive by faith the full forgiveness of God purchased by the finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. Look at 1 John 1, 9 from God's holy word. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I've, I've highlighted the word all here because that's what it says. It doesn't say some, most. It says all. And you say, well, Dr. Murray, you just don't know what I did. Jesus knows what you did, and he paid for that. Now notice from this verse that it starts with confession, but we must accept God's full forgiveness, which is immediate and total and complete. Look at what the prophet Micah says, speaking to the people of Israel who failed the Lord over and over again. Anybody like that here this morning? I, you say, I just honestly, I just, I just, I don't want to, but I just failed the Lord over and over. Look what the Lord says to the people of Israel who failed him over and over again. He says, you will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of Corrie ten Boom, but, you know, she's from Holland, and she harbored many Jewish people during the Holocaust and saved hundreds of lives, and she made this amazing statement. Look at this statement on the screen. She said, God casts all our sins into the depths of the ocean, and over that spot, he floats a buoy with a sign on it that says, no fishing. Oh, I love that. See, we're talking about past failure here, past sin. And the question is, is there a solution to the prison of regret? And the answer is yes. And the solution is to receive by faith the full forgiveness of God purchased by the finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. Let me ask you a question this morning. Are you willing to do that right now? Are you? Before you leave here this morning, you can, you should. So that's the solution to the things that I have done, all the stuff that I have done that I regret. But what about the things that other people have done to me? Say, I had nothing to do with this. This is their fault, not mine. And it greatly affected me. And so here's the next question. Is there a solution to the poison of bitterness? This is, this is past hurts, the poison of bitterness over past hurts. And the answer is yes, yes. And here's the solution. You might want to write this down. To extend to others the same full forgiveness that God has given to you. To extend to others the same full forgiveness that God has given to you. Now, if my four-year-old grandson was up here on the platform this morning, he would say this. This is a tough one. And he's absolutely right. This is not easy to do. but it's the solution. Failure to forgive will consume you. It will poison you with bitterness. It will destroy you. Now, I've had the privilege over the years of, of, of ministering in state hospitals. And um, my common experience with people in state hospitals 
is that many of them talk to themselves. And if you listen closely to what they're saying, they're talking about what they're going to do to somebody if they can get a hold of them again. And they're consumed with bitterness, and their consumption has driven them crazy. And it will. Look at these words from God's word as given to us in Ephesians chapter 4. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you, extending to others the same full forgiveness that God has given to you. And look at these words, which all of us have said so many times as we pray the Lord's Prayer. Look at this in Luke eleven four: Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. So let me ask you this morning, are you willing to do that? Are you? Is that, is that person's name in your mind right now? Hey, I'm not, I'm not just pointing a finger at you. There's, there's some names in my mind that I have to forgive, that I must forgive. And sometimes the forgiveness is not just a one-time thing. It's a lifelong thing. Are you following me? Are you willing to break free from the poison of bitterness? Uh, earlier, we looked at Joseph and what his brothers did to him. And we looked at Gerald Sitzer and what happened to him in the accident and in the trial. Um, let me tell you now about Amelia. Uh, Jim Cimbala, in his book, Fresh Faith, uh, tells the story of, an Amalia, of, of Amelia, an attractive Puerto Rican girl who grew up in New York City. As a fourth grader, fourth grader, she was repeatedly sexually molested and raped by her alcoholic father, who told Amelia that he would kill her mother if she ever told. So she kept quiet. This continued until age 16, when she married the boy across the street just to get out of the home. Her marriage broke up a year later, and in desperation, she turned to drugs and prostitution on the streets of New York City. And more than once, she tried to take her life. Then, some of her street friends got saved. And the change in them was so amazing that she asked them what was going on, and they took her to the Brooklyn Tabernacle, where she heard the gospel. She gave her heart to the Lord Jesus. She was freed from the prison of regret, all the things that she had done. She was so ashamed to even mention them. But her heart was still understandably filled with the poison of bitterness. More about that in just a minute. But let's go back to the question, is there a solution to the poison of bitterness? And the answer is yes. And the solution is to extend to others the same full forgiveness that God has given to you. Now let's go back to Joseph just for a minute. And um, in his book, uh, Fresh Faith, Jim Cimbala says this, what would you have done with all the power that was given to Joseph? What would you do if you were Joseph now? I'll tell you what I might have done. I might have said, chariot driver, I have a couple of stops I need to make. Drive me over to Mrs. Potiphar's house, if you will. I have an old score I need to settle. That woman got me sent to the slammer for a big chunk of my life. It's payback time at last. 
Then I would have headed back to the palace and said to Pharaoh, excuse me, but I need to take a week off if you don't mind. I'm leaving with a couple of army squadrons on a run up to Canaan. I've been wanting to visit my brothers up there for a long, long time. Oh, how sweet it would have been, vengeance at last. But that's not what Joseph did. Look at Genesis 41, 51. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, it is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. Symbola writes, he says, Joseph could have named his son crops or gold or success, but he didn't. Instead, he focused on the really great thing God had done in his life as Joseph stood there holding his newborn infant and thinking of all that had happened to him, he singled out the best of God's blessings as he said, I will name this boy Manasseh because God has made me forget all the evil that has been done to me. He didn't say he'd learned to forget. He didn't say he had enrolled in a seven-step course or gone to a psychiatrist for help. Instead, he said, God made me forget. God can still touch us supernaturally where no therapist can reach. Are you listening? Neither was Joseph referring to amnesia. The facts were not erased from his memory, but God took the sting out so that there was no bitterness. The temptation of a mean spirit was conquered. God cleansed Joseph's mind of all the residue that would have festered there naturally from the mistreatment that he had suffered. Am I speaking to anybody here this morning? And by the way, I, again, your pastor, nobody talked to me about anybody here this morning. I'm just, I just know I'm, I'm, I'm with people who have human natures just like I do, and we're living in a fallen world. Look what Joseph said to his brothers at the end of the book of Genesis in chapter 50, verse 21. He says to his brothers who are scared to death that he's going to you know, get revenge, he says, so then do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Can you do that with that person that's hurt you this morning? That family member? That friend? All right, let's talk about Amelia one more time. Um, earlier, Symbola says, I told you about Amelia, but there's more to her story. I remember how in the early months of her walk with the Lord, I would come onto the platform in my church each Sunday, look up and see her in the same balcony seat. My heart would rejoice as I would notice her with hands raised, praising the Lord, and then listening carefully to God's word. Every Monday night, she was in a home discipleship group. The change in her was dramatic. Then one Sunday, some months later, she wasn't there. I was concerned. Silently, I prayed, oh God, watch over Amelia. The next Sunday, she was back. I saw her in the lobby. Hi, Pastor Symbola, she said with a big smile on her face. Hello, Amelia, I missed you last Sunday. Is everything okay? Yes, I was away. You know, you preached something about the love of God and forgiveness, so I took the bus upstate to where my father lives. Her father? I was stunned to hear him even mentioned. Yeah, I had to. He lives up with his sister. They are now just sitting in a little trailer out in the countryside drinking beer day after day. I forced myself to go see him after all these years. Well, how did it go? What did you say? I asked. It was the last place I ever expected her to visit. 
Well, I was very nervous. Finally, after the evening meal, I said, Pop, I need to talk to you about something. I want you to be serious. You know, I've been remembering the things that happened back when I was a girl. Those years were really hard, and I have to admit that I hated you. Oh, don't worry about that, he butted in. That was a long time ago. We don't need to talk about that now. Amelia felt the anger well up inside of her again, but she held her composure. She continued, Yes, we do, Pop. It really hurt me, and I wanted to kill you so many times. But I came up here this weekend because I want to tell you that I am a Christian now. I gave my heart to the Lord Jesus, and he changed my life. You used to be in all of my nightmares. I used to think about you every day, but now... God has made me forget. Pop, what you did was wrong, but I don't hate you anymore. I forgive you. God can change your life and forgive you too. Pop, I love you. The man squirmed in his chair at these words from his grown daughter. He quickly found a way to slide off the topic and lighten up the atmosphere. He never did apologize. It proved to be a one-way conversation which was a great disappointment to Amalia. The rest of the short visit passed without the hoped-for breakthrough or reconciliation, but Amalia returned home with a peace in her soul for having done what she knew was right, and the seed of God's word was planted. So how do we experience genuine spiritual growth? How do we grow spiritually? First of all, by trusting God to enable us to forget past failures. Are you willing to trust the Lord for that this morning? And secondly, by trusting God to enable us to forget past hurts. So let's put the two problems up again as we finish our message now. The prison of regret and the poison of bitterness. Are you willing this morning to forget past failures? to be delivered from the prison of regret, then reach out and by faith receive the full forgiveness of God purchased for you by Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. Anybody here this morning consumed by the poison of bitterness? Do you want to be freed from that? Then you need to reach out and extend to others with the Lord's help the same full forgiveness that he has given you. Now, I'm going to ask the worship team if they'll come right now, and we're going to sing, all right? And it's a song that, that you all know, but the words are a little bit different. And um, I asked permission to do this, and they graciously gave me permission. So I'll help you. You'll see the words on the screen. I'd like everybody to stand right now, and we're going to sing this song um, and ask the Lord as we sing the words to just remind us of what he said to us through his word this morning and just say yes to him whatever it is he's speaking to you about this morning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Uh, If you're here this morning and the Lord has spoken to you about the prison of regret, the poison of bitterness, and you know in your heart that there's a step that you need to take by faith, either to receive his forgiveness or to extend his forgiveness to others. And by his grace, you're going to leave here this morning doing that. Would you just 
put your hand up and let me pray for you. I don't know your name. I'm not going to mention your name. Just say, hey, this, this is something I really needed this morning. Just pray for me. As, yes, thank you. Anybody else? Yes, thank you. Thank you. Oh, Lord, I commit to you, my brothers and sisters, all of us here this morning. We're living in a fallen world. And all of us have experienced past failures and past hurts. And how we thank you for the teaching of your word, forgetting those things which are behind, receiving your full forgiveness, extending to others the same full forgiveness that you give to us. Lord, make a huge difference in lives here this morning and in the days and months and years to come as a result of what your spirit has said to us today through your holy word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, thank you for being with us today. We appreciate so much, Dr. Murray. And I'm going to ask you to slip out in the lobby there by your table. And if you'd like to speak to Dr. Murray this morning, he'll be out at his table. I'd like to get him for more information about the college, he'll be there to speak to you. And uh, again, we appreciate him being, praise God, for that very practical, biblical message this morning. If you want to speak to someone after the service, maybe God has challenged you about something in your own heart. There'll be some elders down front afterwards. Let's stand. We're going to be miss, dismissed in a word of prayer and then take a moment, shake hands with those around you. Uh, Pastor Peterson, or Pastor Dan, I'm sorry, Pastor Dan Gilbert, um, would you dismiss us in prayer this morning? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that at your very heart, you are so very good. You love the world, but you love your children dearly in a way that the world will never understand. And Father, you know more than any of those things that are tucked away in our hearts and our minds that need to be gotten rid of. And we want to thank you that there is a way to be healed. We thank you for the shepherd who restores our souls. And Father, for all of us today, may we be able to live in the life that Jesus died so that we could have. Father, thank you again for your watch care over all of us. We commit ourselves into your care. Uh, we thank you for healing and restoration. Give us a good day, Father, today as we continue to walk with you and enjoy those things that we can share as family members. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.